your source for stateside views on Everton Football Club. Hosted by James Boyman and Ryan Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the American Toffee Podcast. James here, joined as always by Ryan and Alex following Everton's 1-4 defeat in the Merseyside Derby. Everton from EFC Stato haven't won in their last eight Premier League games. Longest winless run in the league since December 1999, ladies and gentlemen. Ouch. Liverpool also scored four goals in an away league match against Everton for the first time since 1982. And more good news since the start of last season. No current Premier League side has lost more home games in the competition than Everton. That is 12. That is quite poor as well. And I think we've got a lot to say about this one and the state of Everton in general. But for our instant match reaction, we'll go to Alex first. In typical Everton fashion, you go into the match just dreading it. Absolutely dreading it. At some point in the match, they pull you in. They feel like you got a shot. And then the end of the match occurs, boos ring loud. To be honest, I felt like the effort, the spirit, the commitment, it was all there. <laughs> did the puzzle, did the pieces to the puzzle really line, align, fit together? No, I don't think so. Um, what, what about you, Ryan? So many things to say. Uh, I thought we stunk. Um, they're good, we're bad, but we're especially bad and we shouldn't be this bad. That's it. Let's go to score predictions. I have plenty of things to say later. We shall dive into hopefully most, if not all, of those things as we move through the episode. But we will start with the womp, 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 tip of the hat to the score correct score predictions from our Discord. If you want to join our Discord, the best Everton community, if you ask me, but I'm a little biased. We had Ezra, Zach Landy, Too Many Pumas, all predict the correct score. Is that Pumas special... again? Did he get a Yeah, last he's been on fire this season. Damn, there's... He's I got like you... four or five right. I mean, well, you know, there are too many Pumas. <laughs> too many Pumas. Yeah. We also had to give a tip of the hat to EFC Jonesy, who went to the match, and his score prediction was, my only prediction so far is I'll waste a day of annual leave, 70 pounds worth of fuel, eight hours of my time, and approximately 30 pounds worth of food and drink, and have the chance of contracting the new strain of COVID. And on top of that, he got to witness that debacle on the pitch today at Goodison. So let's uh let's move on into actually discussing the match itself and we'll start with the lineups, Alex, if you wanna tackle that for us. Yeah, so this week Awobi and Gordon dropped from the starting lineup. In came Richie and Gray. You know, at first sight, obviously that's pretty ideal. Um, I think in anyone's opinion. It did not look like a tactical change. It definitely did not, you know, shake out that way. It was gonna be a four four two in defense as always, although we did shout for a three man midfield from the start. Um, and in attack, it was 4-4-1-1, right? So the real question at the start was, was going to be Gray or Richie at second striker versus left wing? Obviously, we saw it played out, um, at least for the majority of the match, it was Richie at second striker under Rondon, and, yep. uh, well, or past Rondon, yeah. and we'll get into that, and uh, Gray at the left wing in, in somewhat of a free role. But um, notably on the bench, well, notably not on the bench, let me say that. Ellis Sims did not make the bench, and DCL and Mina are still out, unfortunately. Uh, Sims is probably just not fit, you know what I mean? So I, it's fine that he's getting time in the U23s. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes out on loan in January, 
but we'll see. Um, be nice to send him back to Blackpool, get championship experience, but he's got to get fit first, I guess. So I think that's reasonable. I know some people called for him, but anyway, Jank Tosin's there, man. We're good. Um, so Liverpool, not surprising. Four three three. Fabinho was playing behind Thiago and Henderson. That's a lot of central defensive type of players in the middle, but they're all pretty good on the ball. Jota's up top, and you're going to see a lot of interchange between him and Mane and Salah on the right. Uh, their only change was really Matip came in for Kanate. I mean, talk about riches there, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So for me, when I saw this, uh, to Alex's point, if Gray is going to play on the left side more of a free role, he's not the most defensively oriented player. So um, I had a little concern that Dean might be held out on an island before going into this match and have to deal with Salah by himself a lot, which is not ideal considering Salah's absolutely in fuego right now. Sure enough, it played out like that. But I think the biggest concern is just being outnumbered in the midfield. I mean, the only way you can counter that defending in a 4-4-2 is to make it very, very tight and condense. And, you know, if it's going to be condensed like that, the issue is Liverpool's probably the best long-passing team in the league. You know what I mean? They go vertical very quickly. So unless we're going to sit back and kind of park the bus and play that way, which I don't know how well that's going to do because their movement up front's very good and, and we've left space in between our lines even when we try to play compact, partially due to Lon being more aggressive. Um, but that's how we set up. And, you know, there was no no surprises, none really. Um, but Alex, what he alluded to is correct. Rondon, again, dropping way deep to win kind of longer balls and help with transitions. But he still has very few outlets. I think he did very well today, to be perfectly honest. I thought he was fine last match, too. I just think he's being asked to do an almost impossible job at times. I mean, he would catch the ball, hold it up against someone like Matip for like a good full second, and then find someone... You know, 20, 15 yards away sometimes. You know, he doesn't have that player sitting behind him. It's almost like we took the extra man in midfield and we keep running him in behind. And I understand why you might do that a little bit to kind of keep their back line honest, you know, keep one of their center halves at bay. But I, I, ju I just think it's a really difficult job. At one point, he literally caught a ball and kicked it 50 yards to his left because there was no one else to kick to to right back, which is a fascinating play. Um but yeah, I mean, Gray was tucking inside a lot. You know, he's not the best defender. Um, yeah, I think the problem is Liverpool just seemed like they knew exactly what to do when they had the ball and where to attack. You know, Salah was pushed up higher. Henderson filled that void. Um, Alexander-Arnold was kind of in the wider spot when they needed him, when they had possession. And they really took advantage of Alon being overly aggressive at times as well. So I don't know what you guys saw, but that's what I saw. You look at the average positions, and I think it holds true. It is amazing how deep Rondon is, though, in in this. And and I guess the way, the, the way it played out, it's not entirely surprising. But, wow, that's a – I mean, that's great. Richarlison's really high up here. Yeah, I mean – and why shouldn't Liverpool know exactly what they're going to be facing and be able to pick us apart? It's not like we've changed anything substantial. We knew. In the we've last known five for weeks. like four or five weeks. Right. It's crazy. Except for Spurs. And then you, except for Spurs. The one exception. And then you look at the average positioning. I mean, Ronda might as well be the third man in midfield for where he was for most yeah. of the match. Yeah, He's that's pretty much the role, dude. literally next to Alon and Decore in terms of average position, Richarlison beyond gray actually ends up being the furthest person forward but you do see in our average shape that we tried to keep it relatively compact i wonder i wonder if ball. i wonder if he looks that deep though partially because he had so many touches in the goal line defending that's corners. true yeah maybe, i mean he maybe, was winning but, but, but he still we'll was deep there's no question what nothing you're saying is incorrect no you're right and i think it, it probably is uh obfuscated a little bit by that 
But that's that said, I mean, there were times when, you know, we were defending and he was literally like within the six yard box, like just just craziness. Um, and you have to play defensively against the side because they're going to kind of come at you nonstop and you've got to be ready for it. But for a player who's supposed to lead the line, you really you, you got to get him up the pitch to win balls. I would think so. I'd rather have the extra person in midfield and have him pushed higher. I mean, he can box people out another 20 yards up the pitch for heaven's sakes. But sure. what was very apparent in this is, and what we saw last time is just from a spatial standpoint, look at that gap again. So say Rondon's really up a little bit higher. Look at that gap in front of Michael Keane again. I yeah, mean, Alon it's, it's is way enormous. over. Now again, that's a little bit changed too, because we changed shape at one point, but like, and then you look at Liverpool, Salah up higher, Henderson virtually uh, almost behind him, almost as high as Mane and Jata. Alexander Arnold over there, and and I mean, it's just they attacked on that right side, and it was unbalanced for a reason, and they totally exploited it, exploited it with ease for for large stretches of the match, and then talking about attacking sides, Liverpool certainly favored the right. TAA getting up, forty four percent is a pretty big number. Forty four is huge. Only twenty eight down the left, but they were totally willing, as you mentioned, with their ability to to swing balls. Uh, in the final third, where, wherever it may be, but switch play fairly often, but certainly a focal point on the right. Meanwhile, Everton, when we did attack, it was fairly balanced, 35% down the left, 36 down the right, and 29 down the middle. All mostly ineffective, but we did have that semblance of balance. In terms of shot distribution, I mean, Liverpool had 13% inside the six, some free headers that were inexplicable, oh. um, but predictable at the same time. Everton, meanwhile, 50% of our shots came from outside the box, 50% inside the 18, but zero in the six. Meanwhile, Liverpool, again, in cumulatively 63% inside the 18. And they had some decent long-range efforts as well. Yeah, so moving on to the timeline. The first 25 minutes, essentially, Liverpool are absolutely, <laughs> inexplicably... How would you dominant. describe it? Uh, give me one word to describe it, Alex. And keep in mind, this is a family show. Yeah, I was about James, to say the one word that came to mind was not every word to think of is rated. four letters. <laughs> just, I mean, the whole time I'm sitting there. I mean, I, I was really. I mean, did you not feel like we were going to be down? Like, like that's yeah. the worst. Instant. That's the most Instant. overwhelmed I've ever seen. I, maybe ever, really. I mean, as bad as the gate at home. Well, I mean, think totally about it. Under overwhelmed. Think about it. In the first minute, in the very first minute, oh Liverpool are attacking. Ball in the box. Coleman is shielding. I, I can't even remember who he's shielding at that point. Is shielding one of the Liverpool players. The ball oh, is rolling right at Pickford. He's calling him. You know what I mean? Pickford hesitates. It's a big issue. And then James Coleman's just barking at him. And yeah. it's the first minute of the match at Goodison Park. <laughs> he was mad. If that doesn't tell you how it's going to go. And honestly, that moment right there becomes very, very ironic later on in the match. Um, but I think we'll get to that. Yeah, and then think about it. I mean, the first set piece they had. It was an absolute free header. How does he miss that, by the way? That was in the second minute. Yeah, right. Exactly. After that exchange, you know, after we accidentally knocked it out when Pickford should have ran up and catch it. I, I mean, yeah, what, what was it? it was possession was 67.5% in the first 25 minutes, six corners to one. We didn't dispossess them a single time. Uh, Salah missed off a cross that I think he probably could have done better with. I mean, that was in like the first five or six minutes. I mean, it was just, this is kind of inevitable, but again, should we be surprised about this? I mean, they knew exactly how we're going to play. We didn't really make any changes. I mean, 
and they're pretty good. I mean, this maybe maybe you should have mixed it up a little, given them something to think about. No, just looks completely off the pace. Like you, you know, a lot of these players have played in this match before, albeit it's been a full year since they played in front of fans. So I think you know that may have, but we're at home, so we shouldn't be the ones that are cowering in fear of the almighty Liverpool. You've got to at least go at them. But they were. Passing it around us, we our shape was all disjointed. We had players in clusters trying to win the ball, couldn't make a five-yard pass. And Liverpool were, were slicing and dicing us like no tomorrow. And frankly, the fact that it took them nine minutes to score Shocking. was merciful because it could have been four or five, literally four or five at that point. And I don't know, in Henderson, of course, with the finish from outside the box to get things started, a good finish as much as I hate to say it, it's a curler. Pickford has no real chance, but he's also not pressured by anyone at the top of the box and can kind of meander forward and hit a curler. Yeah, you yeah know, one thing I'm trying to, to cover there. Yeah, I, well, you know, the one thing to remember, though, is that it's not like Liverpool has been here, like, blasting us every time. Right. I mean, they've tied us, like, eight out of the last nine times. So, I mean, it's not, I, I think so. Did I get that right? Yeah, I feel like that. I feel like eight out of the last nine. We Goodison almost always give them a game. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, the idea that they should just waltz in and totally dominate us, even though they're playing really well and we're really not, is 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 not, I, I know we felt that way going into it, but that's really not how it's ever played out. So this is a little bit unique. Sorry to interrupt, Alex, but I mean, you know what I mean? That That's, that's an important point because people are like, oh, we're just going to get massacred. Well, we never get massacred in this game. So what are you talking about? So there's something wrong, clearly. I mean, this is, I mean, it was like a training exercise. I mean, it, it was unbelievable. Like, I've seen games where we were drawn dead. Like, remember the Southampton match last year? We couldn't create for the love of us. But they weren't pounding us. This is complete, I mean, just absolutely pounding us. Absolutely. Sorry. I I, I told you I was going to have the instant match reaction. Apparently, I've got it right now. Right. And then, and then literally 10 minutes later, right? 10 minutes later, it's 2-0. Salah is, is you know, marching down their right-hand side. Cuts in, open his body up. That was a really, really good finish. Yes, it was. You know what I mean? Nothing nothing Pickford could do. Uh, he dusted Lucas Dean, which, I mean, you kind of expect it, right? Especially with that much space on the pitch. I mean, in that situation, I think it was really the weight of the ball that took him out of the equation. But Yeah, it was a great you know, pass. You know, you don't, you don't want that type of space. And either way, I think that kind of played out how Ryan was alluding to with, with, with Dean constantly one-on-one with Salah, and, and that was already punished in the it 19th. He could have probably done better. You notice that as the game progressed, he started being more and more aggressive with Salah. Because why not? I mean, worst case scenario is you foul him 40 yards from goal. And that, that was probably the right thing. He probably should have done that from the get-go, but he looks like he got stuck on that one. And when you watch it, it's like, where is everyone else? You know, it's the one where Godfrey came charging up, I think, or one of the about 500 times he did that. And I think Keen was frozen, and he just played it between them. Um Great pass, great finish, no question. But again, yeah, how wise is that? I mean, the last thing you'd want is a guy who debatably is playing like the best player in the world right now, isolated 1v1 versus anyone. I mean, really? Yeah, and Rafa even said in his pre-match interview uh, on NBC or you know on the broadcast, essentially said, you can't defend Salah with Did one he player. Really? He really said yeah. that? I believe so. If I if my memory serves me, he essentially said, you know, you you got to put bodies on this guy, and and it was a it was a counterattack, right? So they're kind of blistering the opposite direction. Shouldn't have been caught out really in that in that way. Counter against us. That's ironic, right? Exactly. It's Liverpool, and we did 
there were signs, I think, even early on, and the only way to really beat Liverpool is with a really quick counter, but there were signs, especially with Damari Gray, being able to get into some space and behind and use his chase, but nothing really came of it because we were fairly inept in the final third. Eventually, that we get a goal out of nowhere in the 38th minute from Damari Gray. It was off of, initially off a of throw-in. We win it back. Godfrey, or Liverpool win it back, excuse me. Godfrey makes a tackle. Great tackle. Really good tackle. And he was he was aggressive today, throwing in tackles, uh, for he better was. or for worse, I mean, he, oftentimes for he worse. Probably put, yeah, he probably put some guys in some bad spots on it. But, you know, there, there's yeah. one or two you just shook your head. You're like, really? <laughs> but, yeah, and this one, he, it is a good tackle, and it kind of finds Townsend. He clips it back to Alon, who does this great line-breaking pass, breaks right past all their midfielder. Richie catches it, kind of turns, and quickly, relatively as quickly as Richarlison plays the ball. I mean, Virgil van Dijk comes out on him. Hey, did you know pick anyway? Uh, sorry. <laughs> no, uh, sorry. Rondon's next to him too. So Matta has to, has to honor him and gray makes a great run. And, and, you know, Trent Alexander Arnold playing his typical wing position. He's not really right back, uh, <laughs> plays it right by him and gray finishes it. And, and it is a really nice sequence. Um, it was relatively quick. It's a great one run by gray. Again, it's a balance there, too, because you've got a guy who's not playing a ton of defense. He's in a free roll, though, and he took advantage of the space to make the play. And we were close to making a similar play like this before, where Richarlison couldn't quite get the pass to him, and Alexander-Arnold got ball side on him, which I don't even think was the proper positioning, or maybe maybe cut inside on him a little bit. Um, so you saw, you're right, James, you saw some foreshadowing there at one point. And yeah, suddenly we're in the game, and probably have no business being in the game really uh I mean, whatsoever that's and otherwise i mean the first half after that kind of 25 minute foray it was just kind of strange some of the yellow cards being thrown out which i guess is typical of a derby but what was up with the diving when did everton start flopping around like fish i felt like we were i mean liverpool does it every match but i felt like we I, what <laughs> Love Why it. did we decide to? Can you guys explain this? I thought this was very uncharacteristic of us. Townsend flops a lot, but he normally goes down as a result of contact and wins a lot of fouls. But he got yellow card in the 16th minute for a dive. Is that a dive? Do we agree? Yeah, I think it, it's a clear dive. And, and you're right, Ryan. There was a lot of uncharacteristic diving. Um, obviously, Gray gets called for the one at the top of the box towards the end of the half. What is which... he doing there, man? Like, he's got to pull the trigger quickly. I'm happy he scored, but he's dwelling on the ball too much, man. I mean, he, he needs to go and be more decisive. And it's embarrassing in a match like this that's known for the physicality. And I think a lot of the uh, I think there was a lot of kind of disjointedness and chaos that we tried to bring into the game following both of Liverpool's goals by True. just starting to throw tackles around. Might as well get in the mix. Might as well uh, throw your body around. N nothing, I think, like crazy dirty, but really physical and aggressive. On the other hand, I think Liverpool were pretty conservative, barring a couple of nasty challenges that they threw in. But we were looking for those sorts of challenges to go down because we weren't really having a whole lot of success with the ball at our feet. And so we were desperate to get opportunities around the box. You end up with two yellow cards for simulation in the first half, which is has to be a first this season in the Premier League. I agree with you. I think we, we just weren't getting much of it. So I felt like we, we were getting a little bit desperate. Uh, I know a lot of people seem disappointed about the yellow they gave Alon in the 31, 31st, but to be perfectly honest, I can't remember who he absolutely hatcheted earlier in the match that probably deserved the yellow. So I don't think that was necessarily a factor. He was going to get that anyway. Um, and Alon almost never gets the red card. So you kind of know that's going to be that way. Uh, Tiago professional found the 38 that was kind of weak for him he had a bunch of other 
you know, he tore, typically does some cheap stuff. Him and Fabinho, they love that stuff. And I was surprised that, not surprised he got a yellow. But, I mean, really, that first half was a tale of really two parts, right? I mean, we actually looked like, from the 26th minute on, in polar opposite of the first 25 minutes, that might have a shot here. I mean, we scored. We outshot him 4-3. to three, And the crowd was definitely into it. And we did seem like we were fairly dangerous. Don't you guys agree? I mean, you could hear him. They, they seemed pretty pumped up. And we seemed to have a lot more energy. Yeah, I mean, I thought I thought there was visible confidence coming after the goal, specific, like for the players specifically, and also due to the crowd noise and the crowd backing. Right? I mean, it, you could yeah. you could feel it like through the TV screen. You're like, all right, we still have a chance. We're back in this. You see Damari Gray run in, grab the ball, you know, like book it back to the halfway line. Like the camera pans to him, he's hyping everyone up, telling them like, let's go, we still have a chance. And just like that, they rope you back in. And we had a couple chances right away in the the second half, too. You know, DeCorey had the one header that I just wish he hadn't hit or maybe hit off to the side. You know, we kind of we, you know, it looked like, whoa, we got a chance or two. Is this second half going to be different? Because I think we agree we're fortunate to be 2-1 at half, right? Oh, oh my God, yes. I mean, mean, it could have been 5 or 6. It could have been 5-0 in 10 minutes. And we we go into the half 2-1. And as, as Alex said... I think some of those challenges that Everton were throwing in really did get the crowd up because even when the when the teams walked out, you know, normally Goodison is roaring and it seemed a little subdued. Obviously, there's a lot of people unhappy with the current state of the compare club, that but, to last year in the Derby, right? Exactly. Yeah, it was so loud last year. Yeah, so loud. <laughs> <laughs> but we had, uh, yeah, you're right. As the second half began, it looked like we may have been able to carry on that momentum that we may be able to get a result. But spoiler alert. We did not actually have a chance. Yeah, Klopp's not dumb. I mean, they, they took the air out of the ball. They definitely focused a little bit more on possession. I thought their movement was good. And they knew they could handle the ball on that right side. And, and you know, we weren't going to most likely take it away from them. Um, I, I thought the 59th Rondon going down was, was a big blow to us. And I don't think many people would have said that. I thought he played adequately last match. I thought he was very good today. Um, but it really took away a lot of our game plan. And he was having success. I mean, look, the guy works. I know he's not fast, you know, and, and certainly he wasn't entirely fit, but he worked his tail off today enough that it hurt him, uh, <laughs> I guess. But I, I, I thought he was outstanding. I thought he was debatably our best player. I mean, Gray scored the goal, so he deserves some credit for that. But otherwise, I thought he was, in essence, our most important player. And I think when he went out, it was a very different Everton side. I don't know what you guys think. Yeah, I mean, you know, Anthony Gordon came in. For me, that was somewhat of a surprise. It's kind of a weird change, right? I mean, because Richie yeah, can't is. do the same stuff that Ronan can do. No, no. I mean, it immediately tells you that we're gonna we're gonna change it up. And uh, I felt that. I mean, naturally, right at that point in time, you know, you, you now essentially effectively don't have a good outlet. Um, yeah, and that, in my opinion, is really what kind of killed it for us. Yeah, I agree. And you kind of saw that play out. Although we did get in the 62nd minute, Gordon making an instant impact by a rather spectacular and theatrical dive. It's a dive to the box. I mean, and 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 miracle that it wasn't our third yellow for simulation of the game, but he ends up yellow carding. uh, I think was it Tiago? No, it was Robertson. Robertson, that's right. Which I hate Robertson. Yeah, but I mean, he is a relatively dirty player. He gets in some nasty tackles and he gets a yellow for that. I know. Is is pretty innocuous. Good acting job by Gordon. Wins us a free kick. 
And Andrews Townsend steps up to take. Let's the free talk kick. about this for a second, guys. What is going on there? I mean, I, how do you think Luca Dean feels about that? In, in all seriousness, I mean, I, I think this is a very this is a really big mistake, in my opinion, that Rafael Benitez has done this year. And I know if I'm Dean, and look, Townsend may be a little better than him. I don't think he is, but let's say he is. Still, I mean, just from a man manager standpoint, I mean, you got to have some testicular fortitude my friend to go in and bring in a guy who's an okay player on a relegation fodder type club and insert him in like he's james rodriguez from set pieces you know what i mean like i just think this is a real mistake and uh it's bad enough how he's using dean right now and seemingly more comfortable pushing coleman up than dean but but i mean this I think he has to have a lot of audacity to do this, and this is a pretty aggressive move by Rafael Benitez. And I just, how do you think Luca Dean feels about this? I, and honestly, I mean, wouldn't you be ticked? Yeah, I mean, you know, that I will say, and I, and I, I'm not, I'm not saying it's it's right, but I noticed very quickly in that instance specifically, we had Lucas Dean yeah. and Seamus Coleman back. They were the only two players back on the free kick. That kind of tells you. In my opinion, the sort of profile that he's looking for, yeah, Dean's defending for specifically one on one, yeah. But, but you could also say that Godfrey could have easily taken the place because I'm not sure I've seen him be a huge threat on corners or set pieces moving forward. Either way, yeah, it's a thought. I mean, and I'm he sure, has more pace too. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure tactically they're thinking center halves. They're big. Bring them up, uh, Dean's. We've seen him take the ball, you know, off a set piece, and and when it trickles the other side, whack one back in. So you, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. You know what I mean? So that's a little odd. Um, and for a player who who's being asked to do a lot on the defensive side of the ball, and not contribute a whole lot on offense, throw the guy a bone. He's one of our I best know. players. I know. Give him the opportunity to take a dangerous free kick like that with his left foot. And Townsend, of course, hits the wall. Unfortunately, that whole sequence lead in, led into basically game over for us. I mean, right. you know, the ensuing corner, Townsend gets in, takes its terrible corner. It's short. Robertson wins it easily. Uh, doesn't even get close to, I think it was Gordon on the near post. Comes out to Gray. Gray plays it back to Coleman. And Seamus did not have the best match today. I mean, the heart was there. He was yelling and screaming a lot. I mean, five uh, unforced touches, you know, bad touches, two times dispossessed. I mean, no dribbles, really no threat in attack. He had only two tackles, really. I mean, he made, and he makes this error where he, in essence, just hands the ball to Mo Salah on a breakaway. And Coleman does a decent job showing some heart and catching up to him. And Salah, it's a decent finish. It's not a powerful finish. It kind of gets almost in between Pickford's left arm. I, I don't know if Pick didn't take a very good angle on it. I mean, it's a breakaway. I can't be too harsh about it, but you know, it would have been nice for him to do a little bit better here. I don't totally blame him. I mean, the error is Coleman and almost Coleman's alone. I don't think Gray's pass back to him was impossible to deal with. I mean, this is a pretty bad error and there's no way back from this, right? I mean, we know the second this happens, it's pretty much over, right? It's a horrible, it's a horrible play. It's a horrible error from a player who has been a great servant to the club and is just, he just passed it, especially in a match like this where he locked up with Sadio Mane for most of the match, who they were getting into it like from yep. the get-go, battling back and forth. You kind of feel for the guy because, you know, he cares a lot about this game, probably more than any player currently in our team. Um, maybe not, but certainly up there, the captain, been here the longest, hasn't won a whole lot of them, and we're 
chasing the game, but we're still very much in it. And to just hand them the match in that way is just crushing. And it was, it was crushing for Everton too, because the, the juxtaposition of, Oh, we got a free kick in a really dangerous area to this is over. Let's just pack it up and go home. <laughs> really, really soul crushing uh, and, and really frustrating, but it wasn't the end of the pain on the day. No, it was not in the 73rd minute. Fabian Delph came in for Townsend. Thank God. Uh, Andros was once again, I don't think at his best today. I think he probably just needs a break. Uh, it was a tactical change, but what I found fascinating again, much like I believe we did at Spurs, Delph was not the deepest player, even though he was brought in. Remember how good Fabian Delph was in the second half of the Wolves match? We actually possessed the ball. We actually progressed the ball up the field at times, did a really good job. Alon played the deepest player again. I, I I just, I don't get it, guys. I don't get it. Even worse, he's on a yellow card, too. And sure enough, a couple minutes later in the 78th, it, it's a tough spot for him. I get it. But it just shows you what a lot of possession and great movement can do. You know what I mean? It was Jota making a run kind of from the left wing over to the center. Godfrey comes out to deal with Mane. is kind of out there by himself because Coleman lets Jota go. Robertson, ball goes, uh, Robertson has a ball, so Coleman goes out to Robertson. He plays it directly into Jota. Alon is on him. Jota has moved to the middle, and Alon picked him up. Keane wasn't over far enough to deal with them. I think he was dealing with someone else. And inexplicably, it's a great first touch by Jota, right? I mean, we all agree with that. It was very good. Sure. Why is Alon trying to win the ball there? Just stay on his back and contain him. You're in the box, and you got a yellow. He makes a great finish, but... I. Pickford's leaning. I don't know why. Uh, I, I don't think you want to get beat on the near post like that. I think he's got to do a little bit better here, but it's a heck of a finish. I hate to keep picking on it. I feel like everything is almost like a symbolic gesture of what's going on with Benitez. You know, Coleman makes the mistake. Coleman's really only playing right back because Benitez rejected um, Brand's deal for Dumfries. I mean, really? And here we are, Alon playing deepest in supposedly a conservative, responsible role. And he is acting aggressive because I think his nature is more of a box-to-box ball-winning midfielder. And he gets beaten. Jada buries one. It's 4-1. And it's I, I was at this point, I'm like, oh, my God, are they going to make this like six or seven and not, you know, one? I mean, yeah. I, 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 they kind of I would say they pulled took the foot off the gas. But it just goes to show you a second we went for the three-man midfield for some reason, all the pressure stopped. And I think this is part of the problem, too. If you have Delph in the back, at least Alon can feel free to pressure. But, I mean, they're... Their pass accuracy was 87% after that moment. 75.4 possession. We're chasing the game at this point. Uh, it just, it I mean, never. We're chasing the game, but we're also, it's like chasing a car that left 20 minutes ago. Like, do you think he's trying to chase the game? Or do you think he's trying to do damage control? I, I think that's the nature of the substitutes indicates that he's clearly trying to just do damage control. Why do you I think? Mean, it's not like he has, we don't, I mean, is he afraid he, that if he, if he loses 6, 7, and 1, he's going to get fired? I don't mean to be a provocateur here and be like a jerk journalist here, but I wonder if that's in the back of his head. We try and be objective here at the American Talker podcast, but but it would it would explain it. I hope that's not true. I just think there's no realistic. He looks at his bench. He's saying, I, I don't have a realistic option. Like Cenk Tosin is going to come on, which he did. Um, and I'm going to get two goals and, and get somehow get yeah. remotely back close to winning. Like I think of the man you matched last year. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You're right. I, You're right. I, I just I don't think that's acceptable. But anyway, okay, move on. I digress. Let's talk about the the substitutes from Rafa today because I think it, it is part of this conversation. Was Rafa looking to bring us back into the match and win the match with those substitutes, bringing in Anthony Gordon for the for Rondon and moving Richarlison up top? Was that a recipe for success for Everton? 
I'm going to be honest. I cannot tell you a better name off the bench to come on for an injured Rondon. Like who who's going to come on before Gordon? That's uh, the best next best answer may be Awobi, which never came to fruition obviously today. But there's no one else. I mean, we had to change kind of how we played. I think by that time to be honest though, the 59th minute, we essentially created nothing after the immediate kickoff after half. So at that point, you know, was it really about possessing the ball or was it really just a, here's what I have at my disposal, we'll hit him on the counter? I mean, I maybe try and change something up and play the three-man midfield then. Like, I just feel like this is borderline charitable for Gordon at this point. I just don't think he's a good Premier League player. I mean, I don't know what to say. I mean, I want him coming off the bench running against hard legs. I do think that's the right place to put him. But, I mean, what did he do again today? Did he create anything? He won the free kick. No. That's really all anything noteworthy. Yeah. He dove once and got a yellow card on, on Robertson. He did get kicked by Virgil van Dyke, and he's quick, so that's good. But, I mean, nothing. I mean, what, he turned over the ball probably three times in, in a short period of being out there? I don't see this as being a recipe for success, and I, I think he's... I just don't think Anthony, I mean, I really think Anthony Gordon should be alone in the championship. I know we don't have the numbers right now, but yes, I would have switched to a three-man midfield, and I'm tired of this ignoring of JPG, but fine, put Delft there and put him in the back behind these guys. Match their numbers in the midfield. At least it's a tactical adjustment that they may now have to make. Take Rondon off, have Richarlison, who's less effective in that role because he can't hold up the ball like Rondon, and put a weaker player in in Gordon. So regardless, even if you don't if you don't have the ability to have better attacking players through that sub, which I, I agree with you, we don't. I think that's a downgrade, especially the way Rondon's playing, then don't make the change. You know what I mean? Yeah, fair. I mean, and that happened, right? Yeah. And that happened when Delph came on for Townsend. Yeah. Probably fair that Townsend came off. Well, let me phrase that. Definitely fair. Definitely. Right? He as we already talked about, he did absolutely nothing. Another start for him though. Right. It was very strange. We just took very our foot off the gas. There was there's no urgency there. We did. Um, we did. But, uh, jank, I, I mean, the jank sub was, yeah. I mean, whatever. Kind of it's good to see yeah, him back. Whatever. Good to see him able to walk onto the pitch. Uh, the hair to, looks to, okay. Yeah, hair hair check on Chank was looking all right. Mm-hmm. We got. Uh, I think it's worth talking about Rondon. I know we touched on it, and a lot of pe- I think a lot of people were were giving him his dues today because, and even a little bit. I think the the narrative after the Brentford match, people were kind of okay. I mean, he's certainly more. Not great. Still, people. Some. You know, it's, sure. it's ridiculous. You know how many people were trashing him? Only then I found out on Twitter through interactions. Oh, well, I stopped watching the twenty fourth. Dude, don't <laughs> be that guy. Don't be don't, that guy. Like seriously, trash a guy. player for playing badly and then realize you didn't even watch the match. But yeah, Rondon I thought was really good, frankly, and he is being asked to do stuff that is very difficult. Was he better because Richarlison created more time and space for him? I don't mm. think so. I think if anything, he he was playing an almost more difficult role coming back to the ball. I don't know what you guys thought. I thought Richarlison's positioning relative to Rondon was good, doing a very good job at offering an outlet to Rondon, a person to knock it down to when possible. I also think Richarlison has the technical ability, as showcased by our only goal of the match, to receive the ball nice and clean, turn, pass. I think it made sense. And I think it also helps to have... I also like Gray. I, I, I like Gray on the left. I mean, I obviously, Richarlison, Richarlison, in my opinion, is best on the left wing. But, you know, if we're if we're defending so deep, do we really want him out of the equation on the left-hand side 
defending in front of Lucas Dean. I don't, I don't know. No, I, I actually, but I still like, that's why I think 4-3-3 makes more sense for this. I mean, if you have a target guy coming back in like Rondon, you can have Richie on the right maybe and Gray on the left. You can push them both up higher. Like if you think about the goal, it was a click back from Townsend to Alon. Alon plays it forward. It would be the same way as Alon or someone else receiving it from the target guy as well. You know what I mean? Receive it right. from him, playing it up to Richarlison. You know what I mean? And Richie's there. And, you know, it's in essence the effect of a, of a quick counter. So you're right. Uh, Richarlison is a more natural player in that second striker role than certainly Alex Awobi is. I, I don't understand that at all. If you're going to play Awobi, play the four two three one. That's your favorite formation anyway. Like, yeah, I think Richarlison's positioning was probably helpful, I think. But I, I do think Rondon certainly played better. There were some bad individual performances as well. No reason to beat them into the ground. We know Coleman was bad. Townsend was not productive uh, at all. But really, I mean, I look, it was a disappointing performance. I keep thinking, well, we should have gotten murdered. This team's a lot better. But then I start thinking about us, you know, <laughs> normally this game is a game. So clearly there is something wrong. So first question is, do we think the team was working hard enough? I know we asked this after Brentford, and I felt like the work ethic was there. That wasn't the problem. Benitez certainly thought so in his interview after the match. I mean, he said he felt after the second half, you know, team was back in it. We were there. We were in the game. You know, we, we wanted them to come out and start with intensity. We were fighting. The spirit is there. The commitment was there. Is that true i think once once it was 3-1 i think I, I saw heads drop a little bit and there was definitely a and liverpool kind of as you said sucked the air out of the the room and kind of killed off the game but i also just saw a whole lot less energy this this team just lets their heads drop i just am so frustrated and tired of investing all this emotional energy into this team that relentlessly lets us down over and over again week in week out and now you know 8 weeks without a win it's been just a complete disaster. So I don't know what the exact problem is. I know that certainly the manager is going to come under scrutiny, which I think we'll talk about in a little bit. But I don't think there's a whole lot of winning scenarios for Everton from a micro standpoint and from a high level macro standpoint either. I think still he's appealing to the fan base here. Sure. We're fighting. I remember the ridiculous comment he made last after last match about he felt like the the connection with the fans wasn't that was so crazy. good. Well, I yeah, I think he overplayed his hand there. He was trying, but I think this is kind of continuing that narrative a little bit. See, this is the problem where he says, "I know what Everton fans want and stuff," because this guy's a PR master. So I, I really, I hope people aren't buying this. I hope they judge him fairly. Now, his other comment was, "We made too many mistakes. Claim the first three goals were due to mistakes." I want to get to that in a second, but I mean. That makes it sound like it's kind of an isolated thing, right? I mean, is he just kind of once again with the spirit and then this comment? Is he distracting from the points or maybe some of the things that he should be accountable for? We'll get to that in a second. But, I mean, was it just just mistakes? I mean, I think it was a combination of things. Yeah. I think the, I think the mistakes were a perfect summation of of the mentality that the players had coming into the match. You know, rounded out by something like the very first minute where where Seamus Coleman and Pickford, well, Seamus Coleman's like screaming at Pickford, right? Like visibly angry, very angry. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I think, and, and you know what? To be honest, based on the comments on his narrative and the fact that he's now talking about player mistakes, I mean, genuinely, I'm I'm going to ask the question. He keeps talking about spirit, commitment, we're fighting. Is that genuinely because he has nothing else good to say? <laughs> 
No, seriously. Like, what else is he supposed to say? Well, have you heard so him? Do we want? So, are, are yeah. the fans going to get on? Are the fans going to get on his side? If for the last month, instead of he said, in, instead of him saying, as we're scoring literally zero goals, that we had fight spirit and commitment, he's just going to be like, the players are awful. They suck. I tell them what to do in training. It's not on the pitch. You know what I'm saying? Well, I, I'm, I'm just, I just want to point out, like, what is the alternative? And is it? I mean, you know. Well, the alternative would be him taking some responsibility uh, on his own accord right. on anything on the earth. True. Anything. Fair. Like, well, that would be part of it. Well, that would be part of it. I'm saying when he's talking about the players. Right? Oh, yeah. Just, I, mean, just, I mean, we gifted them two goals. Like, that's not on the manager, but that's also not to say that nothing today was his fault. The three-man midfield was obvious to virtually everyone going into that match. And yet, any for some change, reason, Any change, James. Anything to, anything to make Liverpool second-guess or think twice because we've been terrible. And to just persist with this same lineup, same tactics over and over when nothing's working, and you're going up against one of the top five teams in the world, you just think like, okay, well, it didn't work before. It's it's going to work now that we're playing way better teams. We couldn't do it against Brentford. It didn't work against QPR in the Cup. We're just that bad. I, I don't know. And, and I do find it frustrating that Rafa refuses to even, just for the players' sake, to win the win some players over take some responsibility don't push it all back on them because again i was just having this conversation when rafa was brought in the idea was he would at least be a relatively competent tactician because he's not a good man manager we're not getting good tactics we're not getting man management and we're not getting any kind of responsibility from the guy who's supposed to be in charge of at least the first team squad and we can talk about the club as a whole and the board and all that sort of stuff but rafa has <laughs> And there are plenty of other excuses he can make, and he did make them in regard to injuries, but we're only missing two really key guys for us, and they're key guys, make no mistake about it. But you gotta, I just don't think this PR exercise is, is really fooling anyone at this point. I think people are starting to see through this kind of Rafa uh, narrative that he's trying to craft for himself. Yeah, I don't think it's just the boo birds that didn't want him to begin with. So the mistakes one is interesting. I mean, RuPaul Pogba at Bossman Jr. His quote, you can't afford to make mistakes against a team that good. We shouldn't forget how good they are, too. How far down the depth chart would our best player be? Well, I don't know. Um, that's a good question. Um, well, let me, let me put is, it this way. Go. Let me put it this way. Diego, Diogo Jota came in for Roberto Firmino as the backup false number nine. Who on our, who on our list is going to take a touch like that for 4-1? No I, one. I, I don't know. No. Uh, but... But, I mean, obviously we have some guys that have scored in the Premier League level, too. I, I, Your point is right, Alex. But I think the greater point is also that this is a team that plays a particular way, and it has bought specific players to play that way. This is a coherent team that has been built over multiple years. And, True. by the way, the fact that Jada can just waltz into this team and be absolutely unbelievable, and them getting that much more from him, I mean, the way they do recruitment is scientific as can be. I mean, they literally have rocket scientists helping to do the data modeling for these players as well. And you could see it, the movement up top. It's just at a different level. It's just a different level. So I, I believe that if you took a couple of our players and plugged them into Liverpool, they would be monsters. Let's talk about the injuries, though, because Dom's clearly a huge factor, right? Gomes, we're missing him, too. Okay, not as big a factor. Mina. I mean, do these guys make a difference today? What do you think with the result? Yeah, I mean, we talked about Rondon playing well. I think Dom gives them a lot more problems to deal with. 
up front yeah. without question. Yeah. And I think Mina, in terms of, look, we didn't concede off of a, a corner, but we certainly gave them plenty. And we every tried. single one was very, <laughs> very hard. We tried our best. So I think <laughs> Mina in there on the limited set pieces that we had, quarters that we had. Good point. Uh, as well as the ones we conceded would have made a difference. I, yeah. I think Godfrey, like it depends what the what the center back partnership is. I don't think Keane was atrocious today. <clears throat> Uh, he wasn't great. Neither was Godfrey a little too aggressive, but I, this is a match where I see Dom having more of an impact than Mina. I wonder too, if Godfrey at right back playing against these guys in a more defensive role, allowing Dean to get up the pitch might be more helpful. I mean, there, there are a lot of factors. So Derek Bean has a good, good comment here at yes, Derek injuries aside, we should have had a system and depth in place by now. DCL and Yeri return would just be band-aids on bullet holes. That sounds like some sort of like post-punk kind of band, like yeah. 90s band, you know? Is that true? Or are those guys that good that it's reasonable, considering we really haven't spent that much since the debacle of 17, 18? By the way, I'm so tired of hearing announcers say, like, picture of Marcel Brands immediately. They're like, he spent 500, 600 million. He has not. Like, stop conflating Mashiri's entire tenure for Marcel Brands. Anyway. You know, but I, I still, we go through all this stuff. I still cannot avoid some scrutiny on the manager itself. And, and I think there's a lot of it to go tonight. The personnel, is he getting the best out of our personnel? Doesn't feel like it at all. It really doesn't. And you can say the guys he has available, he's using very bizarrely. Alon leaving him to sit I, I don't so deep and pushing Delph up. The the midfield shape and the, the refusal to change anything in the midfield is a concern. The second striker being inconsistent. The fact that he played Andrus Townsend there for any amount of time is baffling. Well, and continuing to play Townsend every single match for some reason is just absolutely tough. I mean, that's you're asking a lot of him, too. And the set pieces. I, our set pieces in attack are awful. Terrible. Like, the delivery's bad. Maybe the setup isn't that bad, but we're not getting it to the people in the setup where they should be. What is going on there? I think it's a slap in the face to Luca Dean by not letting him take him. And I hate the way we're using our fullbacks. In what universe would you ever look at our fullbacks and say, Dean should be the one that's back and pushing Coleman higher? Carlo did the complete opposite, by the way. And I think by limiting Coleman's role, sometimes he was very effective, a better defensive player than we thought. Why? What is he doing? So I think these are all mistakes. And you look at the talent and... I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying. The like, team that beat Liverpool last year was not dramatically different. No, from this team. No, and if it was, a lot of that's his doing. I think the question that's going around tonight is, who can we blame for all of this? Who can we point the finger at? A lot of frustration following the match. You know, if you haven't seen the video of the people yelling Enduring. at the board as they're leaving, fans yelling at players, confronting them. It's a really nasty situation at Everton right now, and people are are really, really angry. And supposedly. From Rudy Galetti, a board meeting is scheduled. This was a couple hours ago in the coming hours at Everton to talk about the possibility of sacking Rafa Benitez before the Arsenal game on Monday. Phil Kirkbride also came out and said that Moshiri will be in attendance for the Arsenal game. So the question to the panel, is it time for Rafa to go? No, I don't think so. I really don't think so. I think that injuries have been an issue. There are a lot of other issues, systemic issues we talk about, how he's using players. I also think that it's December 1st. I genuinely don't think we have a chance of relegation. But I also don't see who else we bring in on December 1st or December 7th or, 
you know, it, based on that change, definitely not. Two to three weeks from now, completely up in the air, in my opinion. What about you, Ryan? You got to ask the question first. Well, it's been Rafa out for like three months. I, 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 I haven't been, though. I even said we should give him time because it's unfair because of the injuries. But, but, so number one, the person who's at fault for all this stuff is Farhad Mashir. I appreciate his money contributions. It's really made a huge difference, but, but we're not using it right. And the structure of the club is clearly a mess. I mean, you can't hire this many disparate managers. When Brands was hired, I thought, okay, at least we have a little bit of a direction on the football side. We have no transparency at the top of the board. They barely want to have an AGM. They certainly don't want to have it in person. So that's an issue. So all this is kind of a trickle-down effect with that. I don't know what our identity is. And look, your playing style and your football should just be an offshoot of your overarching identity. No one watches that team and says, oh, I see Everton. You know what I mean? Not to me, it doesn't. Marcel Brands. It's so hard to tell how much he's truly responsible for the recruitment. We know he's not responsible for a lot of things, but I watched Seamus Coleman make a mistake tonight. Marcel Brands had a right back lined up, and Rafa said no. So to me, my issue with Alex, you're not wrong in what you're saying, I don't think. I think you're I think it would be somewhat unfair to fire him. But I boy, I see him making a lot of mistakes. And my concern is this is a very controlling guy. He he doesn't get along real well with the director of footballs, typically. He tends to get more and more toxic if things don't go very well. My concern is that he's going to be the man spending money in January at whatever money we have. If you don't think he's the guy long-term, I don't understand why he's here. But that being said, I never understood why he was here either in the first place. I think this is an absolute abysmal hire. I mean, the only, but this is Farhad Mashiri. That's why I don't yeah. think he'll get fired either. I mean, he signed him to a three-year that- deal unilaterally decided him over the director of football who wanted Graham Potter by all accounts over bill who wanted, you know, God knows who buddy he has, who's not qualified to make any football decisions. So he should be out of this garbage and he keeps participating. He still is. He still is. There's no question about it. So to me, if you're far hard, Mashiri, there's no way your ego is going to let this guy to go. Now there's no way. Uh, well, I, when I, you think when you've had this guy in the face of the ever everyone, presumably at the club, at the board level, all the way down to the fan base being extremely resistant to that idea, you kind of feel like he's the type of guy who might dig his heels in and say, no, I'm the one who's right. You're all the ones who are wrong. Isn't he already? I mean, look at his That's, tactics. He, he wouldn't change. He's not changing anything. But I mean, from from Oshiri's standpoint, saying I hired oh, oh, this yeah. guy, yeah, yeah, and I'm the yeah, one. That's an, I agree. So I have to stick by this and see it out. My concern, similar to Ryan, and I agree with Alex. Like I don't think sacking him is good. I just think we're in a lose lose situation because if you keep him, the longer you keep him, the deeper the roots go. The more we take on whatever the heck the Rafa identity of football is supposed to be in the style of play. Oh, which awful. All I've seen so far has been besides the first few games against some mediocre opposition, pretty awful. No, I maybe want... we get healthy and maybe it improves. Dude, I don't want to concede 66% of the ball to QPR, man. To Alex's point, if he goes now, what's the path forward? Because then you're just completely redirecting course again. You've got, got He's already made several key hires within the backroom staff of the club, et cetera, et cetera. So, Do you kill brands too? I don't know why, but I'm somehow for some reason I'm still behind Brands. Like I just believe that he needs to be the guy who's given the responsibility. Well, but look, when he got hired, he said a lot of right things. You know, he said, "Look, right. if you want a short-term guy, I'm not your guy. This is going to be a long-term project." And he's right; it was always going to be that. And is it his fault? We went not even a full two years with his recruitment strategy, his philosophy, and although he may not have hired Silva, what did he say about a coach? He wanted someone who's good with youth, 
He wanted someone who could deal with the director of football role. And he wanted someone who was modern, who could play more modern tactics, who, who a modern coach to me is also someone that, that embraces analytics, that understands that he is a coach and takes all the modern advantages to, to craft a way of playing. And by the way, if you're going to embrace youth, you have to create a scheme or a system that youth want to play into. Rafa Benitez, I don't know how he would do it. Is he really going to be able to attract younger players unless we just overpay for him? He just Who a, wants to come to Everton I, right now. I, I, I wouldn't. So, problem is, if Brands doesn't have the personal authority that he can kind of control the people above him, that's totally not fair. I know that's not fair. That's not fair. But if he doesn't, then maybe he should go to, and we need yeah. someone who's more authoritative in the director of football role. But honestly, Bill's got to go too. Enough of Bill. I mean, honestly, I, I have nothing necessarily against the guy as a person, but if he's meddling in football affairs, he can't be here. Like, you can't be doing that, man. Like, it doesn't make sense. And why would Farhad not want to shove him out? It seems like he trusts him for some reason. Well, well he must trust a lot of people. But the bottom line is when it came to hiring a coach, he didn't trust any of these guys. He trusted yeah. Kia. I think that says a lot. You think he's going to come up and go to the Arsenal game without Kia? You better believe he's going to be sitting right next to him. I'll, well, you guys <sighs> want to bet on that one? I'll I'm not it. taking that I'll bet. bet you. I'm not. I will bet the farm on that one. I hope that's not true because that symbolically is is just absolutely an illustration of everything that's wrong with this club. Now, would you guys be upset if tomorrow they're like, Denise, gone. Bill, gone. Brant's gone. Rafa, out. Would you be upset or would you be just scared as hell? It's incredibly it, destabilizing to to uproot that many executives at once. No, and Brant has a track record. Too, at that, once. Yeah, I know. But Brant has a track record. You're right. You know, you can at least point to the fact that, and and I know people say, well, it's not England. What is up with that attitude? What's anyone else on that board done? Right, more than brands. That's that's who is exactly the most right person. Yeah, in the exactly. Room? Who whose advice are you going to take? That's talking to anyone in. A, so I've heard a lot of things that brands just no support internally in the club. Well, who cares? Who from that club who's been around the last twenty years that's won anything? I mean, Amen. I'm sorry. I look at what Brands did at AZ, AZ, back to that again, and PSV, and what he did was borderline transformational. Now, again, he may not have been transformational himself, but the success there cannot be argued at two different places, man. Like, you don't win the league at AZ all the time, you know? And the PSV team won the league like three out of four years. They were dominant. And he made money for them in the transfer, transfer windows. Like, he didn't... You know what I mean? It was a sustainable approach to business. And I don't buy this crap that, well, England is so different. Is it really? I'm sorry. Do they use this a different ball? Is the pitch different? James, so I think you have a good point. I think it's okay to have faith in him because why would you argue with him in football manners over anyone else out there, like literally in the entire organization? I agree. Anyway, it's going to be a very interesting couple of days. I still would be shocked if they fired Rafa Benitez for all the things that Alex said and what you said, James, about it'd be Farhad kind of admitting his own incompetence in a way. Um, but man, this, I mean, this could be it. I mean, it's getting pretty toxic. I mean, do we think it's going to be less toxic by the time they kick off Monday night? Certainly not. I don't think so. And I don't know what your thoughts are, Alex, but this run of fixtures, what manager is going to want to come in? I mean, you put big dunk at the helm through, through December and you, Take five losses, more losses on the chin. That's crazy to me. Like, big dunk. Like, another guy who's a symbol who's been here through just abject failure for some time under five managers. Anyway. No, honestly, he could be a great coach. Let's not totally. Sure. No, no, no. No disrespect. But, no, but objectively, James, I mean, I could see someone saying whether he's part of the problem or not. Look, Danny Donici may not be a bad rehabilitation guy. 
but the track record of injuries is bad. You yeah. got to just trust the evidence that you have. Well, how can you hire a coach, by the way, and, and feed them and force feed them an assistant? I mean, I'm right. sorry, dude. That's that's no offense to Duncan. I mean, and I, I hope Duncan has a fantastic manager career. I think he has potential in that regard from what we've seen. You know, he's a tough guy. He's not a dummy. He's a motivator. You know what I mean? But he, he's terrifying and still fear. Sometimes you got to have it's still fear that helps, in man. your team. That's sometimes that doesn't hurt. But the, and he's got the badges and everything. But still, I mean, the point is, like, objectively speaking, you got to let the guy bring in his own staff. Anyway, summary. We got a couple more comments here. So let's start with Hope Kills at. A American toffee, a brutal loss made worse by the fact that we don't even have anything to look forward to. Roth is still the manager. We still don't have transfer funding and Richie is surely leaving as soon as he can. Hope levels are at an all time low time to blow it all up. I I appreciate that sentiment, but that's that's still a pretty emotionally charged response. Um, but I understand the sentiment. I mean, yeah, I mean, people things... were emotional after this match. Well, understandably. I, I know. And I think maybe there's there, you know, you do something, you know, that me- that mentality of do something, maybe doing Please something. Please, God, would... do something. Well, it might Everton. start something. I mean, it really might. So I, I think something needs to be done in order pretty soon. I mean, it's the same thing. I see no change from the manager and the players on the field. Yeah, I, we had we had another good comment, I think, on the discord as well. Yep. We had John D from the D.C. Toffees said. Bill, Denise, and Marcel got a lot of stick from the fans after the final whistle. Keep the pressure up on them. Hopefully, they'll report back to Moshiri that something needs to change. If they think sacking Rafa is the answer, they have another thing coming. I don't know what that thing is, but it's a thing that's coming. If they think that Rafa is the answer. So we'll see. Well, and then yeah, at, I mean, and then at Pat Rich Ridge, uh, to be fair, I can't knock Benita's signings with the money he had available in the summer. It's more that I don't think he's the right person to manage the players he brings in going forward so alex you're about to comment obviously if i mean no that's that's just when you that's just when you ignorantly say hopefully brands will sign the guys in january and then you just close your eyes and hope that january is passed <laughs> well we know he won't i mean that's i mean people are like, go how do you know that oh, really are we really doing that i mean if not enough sources come out and said things were done by the way if that loan deal for Ingisa was actually in place that's an even more bigger failure, by the way. Than that Benitez totally. Oh yeah, I mean that's he would help. You know that that's a ball type carrying player, and and you know you could have moved some guys out maybe as a result. But yeah, I'm fearing. Uh, my fear is that if you don't move him out, it, it will just be it will be taking longer time going down the wrong path. I agree. I think I, I think that is really well said, Ryan, and a good place to wrap this episode of ATP. I think this was a Clearly frustrating day. Things, ticked, are, things are starting to come to a head. And we'll see what changes are made, what what the reaction is at the board level. But I, I don't think people are really content with accepting the status quo and the way things have been for, for far too long now. Will we see a change by Monday? Alex? No. no. James? No. Not, not Rafa, I don't think. What do you think, Ryan? No. Despite what we all may want or think or potentially hope for, none of us truly think that things will change, at least by Monday. Again, it's another match, another potential disappointment, or a potential opportunity to correct course. But we will be with you following that match no matter what, and we appreciate you all very much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, if you could leave us a rating and or review on your podcast platform of choice, that would be fantastic. If you want to find all of our social media links, you can find that at linktr.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. That's L-I-N-K-T-R.ee slash USA Toffee Pod. Otherwise, we'll be with you next time. And until then, up the toffees, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>